Apparently, this is the year of me revisiting things that I gave up on. Yeah? In in a good way or in a bad way? Good way. Like, you know, I gave up on uh, Jerusalem what, last year, year before. And then I picked it up, and now I'm loving it. I remember I watched, like, 10 episodes of Cowboy Bebop and just couldn't get into it. Mm-hmm. Well, I started watching that again, and now I'm, like, fucking loving it. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I'm almost done with it. Binge watch it. So I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on. I remember, like, I've tried to watch that a couple of times, and, like, I remember watching the episodes and enjoying watching the episodes, but it wasn't ever, like, anything where, like, one ended, and I was like, all right, I need another one. Because, like, you know, like, whenever, like... We got into that Attack on Titans fever, like, you know, yeah, oh, you were just, it. like, devouring them. It's like, oh, this is good, but it's like, I almost kind of need, like, time for it to set until I can get to another one, and then, like, I would just always forget. Well, why I think I originally just kind of, because it wasn't like I didn't like it. I just, had, like you said, just, man, I don't mind if I don't watch the next episode or something. I think, what one, they're self-contained stories pretty much. They do have mm, yeah. a couple that are, like, part one, part two. Two, nothing is ever really resolved in the episodes. It's just, like, almost like a moment of life, and not mm. everything's explained. And three, there's never, like, cliffhangers. You see, you don't get an yeah. episode where, like, something, oh, is he going to die? Is he not mm. going to die? You don't have that. So uh, once I accepted that, now I'm just like, oh, now I've read fiction like this where you have to just go with it and just be like, there's not going to be resolution yeah. or maybe not till the end of the season or something. So I'm fine with that. So I'm enjoying it. Spencer, we yeah. have a fantastic game to play. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> We can't have a long cold open, so I'm going to end this cold open, and you folks can enjoy some space music, and when we come back, we have a game for Spencer. Want to play a game? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, another to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. How you doing out there, folks? How you doing? We got a game. Knock, 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 knock. I am... (laughs) That's terrible. I am your host with the most, Caleb James, with me today. Spencer, the Roman... I didn't think of one. No, you didn't. I looked at the map, but I didn't (laughs) think of one. Uh, The Roman Rebel Rouser Church. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah, That probably starts with ours. I said we had a game, so I'm trying to speed through this because the games can be long and arduous. It's name that author. I should put that in echo. Name that author. I was just thinking, like through the whole beginning of this, you should see if you can get some like cheap game music <laughs> that you could just play in the background. That would be awesome. I might have to uh, see if I can, if I'm uh, up to it when I edit this. So, the name of the game, name that author. I'm going to read an excerpt. We got a lot, folks. So this is right before the holidays, and I figure people don't listen as much now. Yeah. So. Figure just do a fuck around episode. But anyway, uh, the name of the game here is I will read a random excerpt from a random book or short story or poem from uh, a list of authors that I gave to Spencer, and he has to get, uh, guess said author. Yep. And here's the catch. He has not read all of these authors. Like, only, like, five of them. And, uh, but we have talked about, I think, yeah. almost all of them, if not all of them on air. I picked very unique ones that you should be able to point out. I gave you little cheat notes on some of them. Yeah. Uh, like, for instance, Natsume Sazeki was an early uh, 20th century Japanese writer. Yes. Doesn't give you a lot, but it gives you enough to at least maybe know. Uh, so this is going to be fun, and I will start here in just a moment after I get a, a drinky drink. Yeah, you're going to need to have that whistle wetted. Oh, <laughs> This is this. I'm probably gonna hate this before we're even halfway through. <laughs> so I took pictures of the things, 
the the pages. Oh, of the of the quotes. Yeah, and did a real shitty job of writing like what the book is or who mm. it's from. All right, here is the first one, Spencer. See if you can name that author. It moves slowly, its wide nostrils flaring rhythmically, scenting prey, almost surely scenting that prey's weakness. Marty can smell it, its hair, its sweat, its savagery. It grunts again, its thick upper lip, the color of liver, wrinkles back to show its heavy tusk-like teeth. Its pelt is painted a dull silvery red. It has almost reached him, its clawed hands, so unlike human hands, reaching for his throat, when the boy remembers the packet of firecrackers, hardly aware he is going to do it, he strikes a match and touches it to the master fuse. The fuse spits a hot line of red sparks that singe the fine hair on the back of his hand, crisping them. The werewolf, momentarily off balance, draws backward, uttering a questioning grunt that, like his hands, is nearly human. Marty throws the packet of firecrackers in his face. I can go on. Uh, do you uh, think you know it? Uh, Stephen King? That is Stephen King's Cycle of the Werewolf. Uh, that was the only print book of Stephen King I have other than Elevation. I didn't know where that was. Nah. Because the rest I have are on uh, Kindles, and I didn't feel like fucking, you know, downloading pictures. And shit. Yeah. I figured I'd start off easy on you. Yeah. Uh, but I was just trying to see if you would know just even just the writing style, yeah. the, the tense, pulpy kind of writing well, style. I was already trying to count down, like, the more the the horror kind of guys. But then we're, the, 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 uh, once the werewolf... That's what, Get that, that's, what, that's what got it to me. I wasn't sure if you were going to remember that or not. All right, here is the next one. We're going to flip gears completely on this one. And after boasting this way of my tolerance, I come to the omission that it has a limit. Conduct may be founded on the hard rock or the wet marshes, but after a certain point, I don't care what it's founded on. When I came back from the East last autumn, I felt that I wanted the world to be in uniform and had a sort of moral attention forever. I wanted no more riotous excursions with privileged glimpses into the human heart. Mm, I can't continue. It's going to give it away. Poe? No. Oh, uh, the human heart got me. Um, hmm. I will skip the name. Okay. Only blank, the man who gives his name to this book, was exempt from my reaction. Blank, who represented everything for which I have an unaffected scorn. If personality is an unbroken series of successful gestures... Then there was something gorgeous about him, some heightened sensitivity to the promise of life, as if he were related to one of those intricate machines that registers earthquakes 10,000 miles away. Uh, the book is named after the character. The book is named after the character. Which is the name I blanked on. Single name. Think yeah. highfalutin writing. Oh, is that is, is that is that David Foster Wallace? Mm. No, I was gonna say because that didn't seem too not uh, dense. Highfalutin. Oh, high uh, highfalutin writing. Joyce. Mm-mm. No, you're closing in, but no, no. Uh, one more guess. One more guess. Hmm. Highfalutin. Highfalutin. Smells their own farts, perhaps. Uh. Writes about rich people. Ooh, rich people. Hmm. Loves jazz music. Jazz music. It's not Mirakami, then. No, no that's that also thinks, could be, yeah. but no. All right, you're done. I'm done. F. Scott Fitzgerald, The Great Gatsby. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Didn't I even write there or something about? I might just wrote Gatsby on there. Yeah, you just wrote The Great Gatsby. <laughs> he wrote The Great Gatsby. <laughs> I'm ashamed of you. You missed the very second one. This one, this is another one you haven't read. All right. Well, like we established, I don't think any of the, not any of the choices, but most of the choices are things that you probably haven't read. Yeah. Some of them I haven't even read, but I have read all the authors on this list. You have not. 
We'll start. I don't want. I'm try. I tried to also pick no dialogue, which yeah. was hard for some of these writers because almost everything was yeah. dialogue. So mm-hmm. trying to just get the you know their actual prose, no dialogue. From the shadows, the stranger watched Jack until he was out of sight. Then he moved through the night, up and up to the flat place below the brow of the hill, a place dominated by an obelisk and a flat stone set into the ground, dedicated to the memory of Josiah Worthington, local brewer, politician, and later baronet, who had almost three hundred years before bought the old cemetery and the land around it and given it to the city in perpetuity. I don't know that word. Perpetuity. Perpetuity. Fuck it. What? Perpetuity. He had reserved himself the best location on the hill, a natural amphitheater, with a view of the whole city and beyond, and had ensured that the graveyard endured as a graveyard for which the inhabitants of the graveyard were grateful, although never quite as grateful as Josiah Worthington, Bart felt they should have been. There were, all told, some 10,000 souls in the graveyard, but most of them slept deep or took no interest in the night-to-night affairs of the place, and there were less than 300 of them up there in the amphitheater in the moonlight. The graveyard makes me want to go Neil Gaiman because of... Ding, ding, ding. You got it. It's hard because Neil Gaiman, after you know it's him, you're like, yeah, Yeah, that's the way he writes. But when you don't realize it's him because of my accent, it's hard to point that out. If you heard our English guy reading that, you'd probably be like, yeah, it's got to be Neil Gaiman. Oh, man. Shouldn't have picked tequila to drink. It always drives my mouth out when I'm reading a bunch. Ooh, I don't even want to read this one. (laughs) There's a few on this list I really don't want to read, but I got to. He looked back, and then he looked up, and he was amazed to see how far his last effort had brought him. The mountain standing ominous and alone and looked taller than it was. Sam saw now that it was less lofty than the high passes of the Eiffel Duoth, which he and Blank had scaled. The confused and tumbled shoulders of its great base rose for maybe 3,000 feet above the plain, and above them was reared half a high again its tall central cone, like a vast oast or chimney capped with a jagged crater, but already Sam was more than halfway up the base in the plain of Gorgoroth with a dumb bullet. You know it? Yeah, the uh, token. Yep, uh, that's the Return of the King. Uh, I blanked on Frodo because I knew that would be a dead giveaway. I was, yeah. I was wondering if maybe you get Sam, but I think the names, right? Is that what it was? The well, um, fancy uh, names of stuff. Yeah, kind of, yeah. It's all right. I put the easy ones up front. <laughs> it's going to only get worse. Ooh, this one I don't think you're going to get because uh, you have not read anything by this author, but... I'll be interested to see. The cold and the worry didn't last too long. He soon felt enveloped by a warm embrace of safety which massaged his weary and stiffened limbs as with an oil of kindness. He didn't get much peace last night with, with I'm just, squimsy... I'm, I'm Joyce? No. Oh, I'm going to say just the accent kind of no. gave me that. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to give you a hint, but no, uh, it's not Joyce. Okay. Last night was with Squimsy on the one hand and the ghouls who roamed through his dreams on the other. He tried to bring back that dream which he had always intended to reconstruct. He just had to remember it until he got a chance to scribble it down. Part of his sleep he spent on the ship to Valenperso, or coming back from there. More's the pity it wasn't true. That would solve just about everything. But that ship had its own problems. It entered a dead sea of calm. It was like unto a painted ocean in its deadness, hot under a copper sky so that everybody fell into a dull, deep sleep from which they could not easily awaken. Uh, so if it's not Joyce... We did Fitzgerald. I'm trying to think of... The accent then makes me want to go Alan Moore, but I know that's not that's not him, because it's not... A ra- you'd still be talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd still be talking. Uh, you were on the right path with Joyce, with the Irish. Oh, uh, this uh, Martin O... Cob- Cobbin? 
Cabanen. Martin O'Kayan. Last name is what? C-A-D-H? Yeah. Something ridiculous. Yeah. Martin O'Kayan, I've talked about many times on here. That's from Dregs of the Day, which is... It's still a novel, but it's pretty short. Uh-oh. Oh, no. I lost my place. Delete. I'm going to throw you a curveball here. Okay. The cabin door opened, and for the first time in days, Mr. Sato allowed number seven to see daylight. Stepping inside, his breath caught. The stink made him think of his old biology classes, the smell released when slicing through pig hearts. It was as if the air in the cabin had been pumped through the slimy, porcine valves, the stench astonishing now. The girl was shriveled and raw bone, her body stores of sugar and fat long gone. The drip had done what it could, but without vitamins and minerals, her immune system had shut down. For Mr. Sato, the silver lining was that it meant minimal cleanup of fecal and menstrual waste. It was clear now that number seven had run her course. Number seven. You have not read this one, and neither have I. Neither but have. we have read the preceding works. Hmm. This is a modern one. A modern one. And you should get it because, uh, you know, and I won't give it away just yet. Because the names that you gave, the, the, the names in the story made me want to go a certain way. It seems kind of Japanese, right? Yeah. But if it's more modern, that makes me either want to go... Here, uh, I'll give you a hint. What, what are we going to go with? I was going to say uh, our good friend Nicholas Obergon. You got okay. it. It's from Unknown Male. Uh, the one we have not got to yet. Because that, that was the curveball because... Non-Japanese writer yeah. writing about Japan, yeah, and Japanese people. It was hard because I don't. That's the only book of his I have a physical copy of. Mm-hmm. I don't have. I have uh, on my Kindle Blue Light Yokohama and Sins of Scarlet, which both had great quotes I could have pulled, you know, excerpts from. But unfortunately, like I said, I took pictures because mm-hmm. it's just easier for me to read these. Next up, ooh, <laughs> oh fuck me, I gotta take notes. <laughs> uh, now we're crackalacking here. I should read this with an accent, but I don't know what accent I could possibly do. The rounded wood still pressed into my back, the hard stamped earth against my spine. Off in the mottled dark behind my eyelids, there are distant calls and coughs and creakings. Willage sounds that penetrate my doze serve as reminders that the world is yet about me. Half dreams come, thoughts blossom into pictures, then dissolve. Garn hammers bees upon his anvil until black and yellow pulp drools down its side. He stands knee-deep in ash that rises slowly in a warm gray flow ride, covering his thighs, his belly, everything except his head, which has the features of a pig. And now the women of the settlement are come across the risen powder flats to nod a ring of bright blue flowers about its throat. Their stems leave stains of vivid green against the swells of fat, and now our understanding comes upon me that Garn's body is no longer underneath the ash, the head is severed and the flesh torso hangs nearby, transfixed upon a spar of wood. The bulging skin is painted everywhere with images of birds. Alan Moore? That is Alan Moore. Now you know what I've been dealing with with Jerusalem. It's pretty, <laughs> but at the same time, you're like, sometimes you have to stop and go, what am I reading? What is, what's happening right now? That was not Jerusalem, though. That was uh, Voice of the Fire. Okay. Which apparently is also set in Northampton. Go figure. That's all he writes about. Oh, okay. now I've done myself in. <laughs> You've been saying that for the past like three months. It gets more. worse. I'm, I have to drink more to do this one. I will do an accent, but it's not going to matter. <laughs> <laughs> Lowly, longly, a whale went forth. Pure yon lay low on the mead of the hillock lay. Heart so dormant and shadowed lenshay, brief wallet to his side. An arm loose by a staff of citron briar. Tradition stick pass on. His dream monologue was over a cause, but his drama parapologic had yet to be effect. 
most distressfully, but my dear how successfully, I to wail he did his locks of a lunken tinge, quickish, ripely, rippling, unfiltered those, those lash barasseled lids on the verge of closing time, while ooze of his sidewise open. Do you, do you want me to save you? I gotta at least finish the okay. paragraph. It's only one, this is only one paragraph. While Zeus of his sideswise open mouth the breath of him, even so languishing as as the princeliest treble treckle or leechy choo-choo purse could buy, yon as a semi-swoon lay a-wailing, and whoo, what helpings of honeyful smooth head, foo, which urn-piercing doltitude, as were you supposed to go and push with your blunt blank, pin and hand up, up into his flesh plush cushion sets of some chubby bee... <laughs> <laughs> Cushion nuts of some chubby boy bold love of an angel. Who? James Joyce. <laughs> That's James Joyce Finnegan's wake. I knew, uh, I knew that two words in, but I was like, I want him to finish this. That is the opening of chapter three. <laughs> when does the buzzer brings the light brigade to keep it? I do feel like it's easier when you do the accent. The weird accent? Yeah, it just kind of helps. Uh, it makes it somewhat more understandable. So many. Problem is, so many of these words are combined in. There's like this one, sidewise open, is combined into one word. Mm. That's three words. So when I'm reading, I'm like, so do it, because you just. It probably with no like hyphens or anything either. Just no, it's just. Jammed in. It's just sidewise open as one word. But when I'm reading, I'm thinking, you know, phonetically, it's like, oh, sit a whiz and open. Like, you yeah. don't realize. But also, by the way, on that, uh, oh, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pronounce it properly. On that, uh, master, not master class. What is that called again? That Alan Moore class I'm taking. Isn't it, isn't it like. Oh, I fucking forget the name. Something class. It like doesn't some- matter. Uh, that Alan Moore class I'm taking, he used the word advertisement, but he does not pronounce it advertisement. Oh, yeah? And I don't even think I could pronounce it the way he did it because I was so insulted by how he <laughs> said it. I think it was adversediments or something. What? Adversediments. <laughs> Like how many times did you have to listen to that to understand what no. he was even talking about? It wasn't because, like, for some reason, like, you know... English people, they say garage instead of garage. Adias instead of Adidas. They always elongate the A. But this time he didn't. So advertisement, the one time it is a long A, he did ah. So he did adversitement. I don't I don't know. He just said it weird. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't know what he said at first, but I had, like, the class has this? the the class has the subtitles. And I was like, oh, man, I feel like that's that's one of the one English words are like, no, it doesn't sound better that way. It sounds way worse. And it's wrong. All right, next up. Ooh, I'm not interested in reading this one, but I am interested if you can guess it. This makes me realize I read a lot of really hard work that yeah. isn't hard until I read it out loud. <laughs> and uh, anyone has to do audiobooks for a living that has to read this kind of stuff, kudos to you, especially like Finnegan's Wake. There oh, is yeah, audio yeah. version, and the guy did an amazing job, the one I listened to some of it, but how? That guy's probably insane in a, in a padded chair somewhere eating his own feces. Yeah, he's definitely eating his own fats. Merry little fats, little chippers. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking about Joyce that, that, again. That Did you see the thing I put for Joyce? The cheat. Oh yeah. What does it say? Dense pose and fart letters. <laughs> Dense pose, fart letters. My handwriting is atrocious. I know. Sorry about that. All right. Next up, during the dread rains of the cholera in New York, I had accepted the invitation of a relative to spend a fortnight with him in the retirement of his cottage ornay on the banks of the Hudson. We had here around us all the ordinary means of summer amusement, and what with rambling in the woods, sketching, boating, fishing, bathing, music, and books, we should have passed the time pleasantly enough, but for the fearful intelligence which reached us every morning from the populous city. Not a day elapsed which did not bring us news of the deceased of some acquaintance. Then, as the fatality increased, we learned to accept daily the loss of some friend. 
At length, we trembled at the approach of every messenger. The very air from the south seemed to us redolent with death. That pulsing thought indeed took entire possession of my soul. I could neither speak, think, nor dream of anything else. My host was of a less excitable temperament, and although greatly depressed in spirits, exerted himself to sustain my own. His richly philosophical intellect was not at any time affected by unrealities. To the substances of terror he was sufficiently alive, but of its shadows he had no apprehension. H.P. Lovecraft? Oh, you're close, but no. So if that's... Okay, so if it's not H.P. Lovecraft, then is it... His inspiration. His inspiration? Who, who the fuck did he... Who inspired that guy? Only one man. Only one man? Only one man dreary and morose enough to inspire the Lovecraft. The Poe? Yeah. Okay. Edgar Allan Poe, and that is the short story, The Sphinx. I am interested when we get to H.P. Lovecraft, though, you'll be able to, like, oh, yeah, I can see not just the inspiration, but, like, it's even more of that. Well, that's what I, because, like, it kind of sounded like it, but it wasn't, like, I was, like, I can understand what's going on. Yeah, whereas H.P. Lovecraft is, uh, you know, utterly verbose. Yeah. Poe was verbose, but in a way you could understand. Because at, at first I was almost thinking... I was almost thinking David Frosted Wallace, but I was like, it's not detailed enough. Or like yeah. from, from what we're hearing you and you and Ashley talk about, I was like, it's not, there's a lot of words going on, but there's not like. Yeah. Next up, the glimpses themselves were at first merely strange rather than horrible. I would seem to be in an enormous vaulted chamber whose lofty stone groinings were well nigh lost in the shadows overhead. In whatever time or place the scene might be, the principle of the arch was known as fully and used as extensively as by the Romans. There were colossal round windows and high arched doors and pedestals or tables, each as tall as the height of an ordinary room. Vast shelves of dark wood lined the walls, holding what seemed to be volumes of immense size with strange hieroglyphs on their backs. The exposed stonework held curious carvings always in curvilinear mathematical designs, and there were chiseled inscriptions in the same characters that the huge books bore. The dark granite masonry was of a monstrous megalithic type, with lines of convex top blocks fitting the concave bottom courses which rested upon them. There were no chairs, but the tops of the vast pedestals were littered with books, papers, and what seemed to be writing materials. Oddly figured jars of a purplish metal and rods with stained tips, Tall as the pedestals were, I seemed at times able to view them from above. On some of them were great globes of luminous crystal serving as lamps, and inexplicable machines formed of virtuous tubes and metal rods. The windows were glazed and latticed with... Oh, I'm done with that. That's, that's, that's way too much description. That, that's uh, Lovecraft? That is Lovecraft. You can see the difference, whereas Poe seems to want the story to continue... <laughs> He, he does like to progress yeah. the story, and what he was narrating was things that, you know, gave to the story. Like, and this is actually one of my favorite Lovecraft stories, The Shadow Out of Time. Mm. But he gets so bogged down in stupid details like that. Like, why are you, like, the, the archaeology, he's just over-describing it so much to the mm. point where he's like, I don't fucking care. All right. And that, that did go on for way more. Yeah. This one, I think you'll be able to get, even though you probably don't even have any idea who this man is. All right. And I actually have not read much of this guy's work either. You know what? I feel like a douche. I don't think I have one woman on that list. No, I don't think you do. And that's only because I couldn't find any woman writers I have here that I have read that I think would be distinguishable. Because I have like the Agatha Christie and I have, you know, Samaya Angelou, but that's poems, so that would be kind of easy. 
And then uh, and you hate you hate uh, you hate uh, Frankenstein. So yeah, I didn't want to do Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. That that would have been a good one, just because like we both read that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that would have also been like pretty easy. I did a short one here. The noble sire fallen on evil days. I saw with hand uplifted, menacing, brandishing. Memories of old and abeyance, love and faith and abeyance. The insane knife toward the mother of all. The noble son on sinewy feet advancing. I saw out of the land of prairies, land of Ohio's waters and of Indiana. To the rescue the stalwart giant hurry, his plenteous offspring. Dressed in blue, bearing their trusty rifles on their shoulders. Then the mother of Ollie, with calm voice speaking, As to you, rebellious, I seem to hear her say, Why strive against me and why seek my life? When you yourself forever provide to defend me? For you provided me, Washington, and now these also. And I'll just give you the title because you're not going to know it anyway. Yeah. The title is Virginia the West, and it is uh, a work of poetry. Well, okay, see, I was, was going to go with uh, Walt Whitman. Because when, especially when you said it was it was short, and at the beginning I was like, "Oh, okay," but then it was kind of sound like as you were reading it. I purposely picked one that had no rhyme scheme that yeah. I can really decipher. But it seemed like it was kind of long. Well, then again, like I said, I'm I'm dumb dumb when it comes to poetry, so I wasn't sure how long a po- you know a poem could be. So it's only three little paragraphs. I don't know how many lines that is. Uh, yeah, that was Walt Whitman uh, from Leaves of Grass, which I am meaning to read here soon. Ooh, this one I'm a good uh, interested in. Oh, oh, man, when you got to turn the phone sideways. Yeah. This chapter is titled In the Emporium. So last January, with the beginning of a snowstorm in the air about me, and if it settled on me, it would betray me. Weary, cold, painful, inexpressibly wretched, and still but half convinced of my invisible quality, I began this new life to which I am committed. I had no refuge, no appliances, no human being in the world in whom I could confide. To have told my secret would have given me away, made a mere show and rarity of me. Nevertheless, I was half-minded to accost some passerby and throw myself upon his mercy. But I knew too clearly the terror and brutal cruelty my advances would evoke. I made no plans in the street. My sole object was to get shelter from the snow, to get myself covered and warm. Then I might hope to plan, but even to me, blank, 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 the rows of London houses stood latched, barred, and bolted, impregnable. Impregnable. I can't say that word. Impregnably. H.G. Uh, Wells? That is H.G. Wells, the Invisible Man. Uh, you are correct. I actually lied. I have not read H.G. Wells, so you do. I did not read everybody on that list, I guess. Mm. I really did like that writing style, though. When yeah. I read that, I was like, ooh, that's like cool, man. I yeah. like that. I'm digging it, man. I think you'd get a kick out of um, uh, the uh, Island of Dr. Moreau just for the, the weirdness kind of yeah. of it. I almost picked that one, but I couldn't remember if you read that one. But most of that, like, there was a lot of dialogue. And I just didn't feel yeah. like searching through it. Ooh, this is a big one. I'm not going to read this whole thing because the whole page is a paragraph. There was certainly opportunity for such enjoyment, for the open well hole was almost under his nose, sending up such a stench as almost made Adam sick. Though Lady Arabella seemed not to mind it at all, it was like nothing that Adam had ever met with. He compared it with all the noxious experiences he ever had, the drainage of war hospitals, of slaughterhouses, the refuse of dissecting rooms. None of these were like it, though. It had something of them all. With added the sourness of chemical waste and the poisonous affluvium of the bilge of a waterlogged ship whereupon a multitude of rats had been drowned. 
However, he was content not to go any further in his search for an analogy. It was quite bad enough to have to endure even for a moment without thinking of it. Besides, he was lost in wonder at a physically peculiarity of Lady Arabella. All right, do I need to go on? You want to? Uh, uh, is that David Foster Wallace? I, I couldn't. I couldn't say if it was him or if it was Cormac McCarthy. You're gonna get Foster Wallace. Yeah. When okay, I should. You know what? I should instead of saying dense, which it is, I should have put on the the notes there. Um, clinical or okay. data driven. All right, I'll, I'll read a little more then. But not. It's not McCarthy either. No. You only get one more guess. Yeah, I know. She seemed to be able to see as well in the dark as in the light. In the gloom under the trees, she had followed every movement of Olanga. In the Sumerian darkness of the inner room, she had not been for a moment at a loss. It was wonderful. He determined to watch for developments of the strange power when such should arrive. In the meantime, he had plenty of use for his eyesight to notice what was going on around him. The movements of Olanga alone were enough to keep his eyes employed. Since the African had laid down the box and the key, Adam had only taken his eyes off it to watch anything seemingly more pressing. I don't know. <laughs> should, should I should I know this? Yeah, you read this one. I read this one. Yeah, you actually did read this author. I picked the most obscure excerpt that I knew would get you. <laughs> yeah. Because I think most of this book, you would have gave it away immediately. Because even these names, I don't remember these specific names from the book, and we both read it. So is, is it Paul E. Cooley then? No. No? Ah, uh, then if we both, so, uh, oh, is it, um, <laughs> then I don't know, because then is it, uh, is it one of the, uh, is it, you, you, already, you already did, it? no, you already did your guess. It's Bram Stoker, Dracula. Okay, I mean, I guess that makes sense, but I don't yeah, that just didn't sound. I don't know. Like, I just didn't sound like him. Like, I, I, I do feel like I should have got that, but okay, you might get this one. The curves were smoothed only when seen from a distance. The people climbing them learned that they were treacherous, jagged things, hot to the touch, often unstable, eager. Should certain important rocks be disturbed, to tumble some more, to form lower, more solid curves. Nobody talked much as the expedition crossed the moon. There was nothing appropriate to say. One thing was clear, absolutely everybody in the city was supposed to be dead, regardless of what they were, and that anybody that moved in it represented a flaw in the design. There were to be no moon men at all. Andy, where? No. No? I'll continue. I, I'll do another paragraph. Okay. I can't do the third one. Give the name. All right. American fighter planes came in under the smoke to see if anything was moving. They saw blank and the rest moving down there. The plane sprayed them with machine gun bullets, but the bullets missed. Then they saw some other people moving down by the riverside, and they shot at them. They hit some of them. So it goes. The idea was to hasten the end of the war. There's one line right near the end that you should have gave it away 100%. Yeah, I, would, uh, I mean, it sounds like uh, Kurt Vonnegut. It is Kurt Vonnegut. That was Slaughterhouse-Five, the So It Goes, and the blank was uh, Billy Pilgrim. Okay. I didn't realize he was in that paragraph, too. But you could almost get like the satirical, humorous style to his writing, even though what I just read was very bleak and yeah. dastardly. I mean, his war. But that's what's so great about that book is like this shouldn't be funny. None of this should be funny. Yeah. Well, I well see the thing is I don't think you wrote Mister Vonnegut on here. I didn't. I don't think you did. Oh shit. Well then I'm proud of you for getting it, even though he wasn't on the list. That's why I went with. That's why I went with. Huh. That's why I went I, with real because I heard yeah, the moon yeah. and I was like, oh well, that's the only sci-fi guy left. <laughs> well, fuck. I guess I didn't. Uh, I'm. Yeah. Hey, I'm not infallible. I'm just a man. 
Ooh, where do I want to start this one? Um, all right, hold on. I got to get in a different mind frame for this. They finally got me this stinking table right up against a wall and behind a goddamn post where you couldn't see anything. It was one of those tiny little tables that if the people at the next table don't get up to let you buy, and they never do, the bastards, you practically have to climb into your chair. I ordered a scotch and soda, which is my favorite drink, next to frozen daiquiris. If you were only around six years old, you could get liquor at Ernie's. The place was so dark and all. And besides, nobody cared how old you were. You could even be a dope fiend and nobody'd care. Is that J.D. Salinger? It is J.D. Salinger, the catcher in the rye. Just because I remember you guys just talking about how whiny <laughs> it was. You know how hard it was for me to find one a paragraph that wasn't dialogue, and he didn't use the word phony. <laughs> that would have gave it away. But that's still like just the, the bitching. Yeah. Just the bitching. The whole book is him bitching like that. That was one of the least amounts of bitching he does. And people wonder why I don't like that book. I have an idiotically dangerous plan for getting the water I need. And boy, do I mean dangerous. But I don't have much choice. I'm out of ideas, and I'm due for another dirt doubling in a few days. When I do the final doubling, I'll be doubling on to all the new soil I brought in. If I don't get wet, if I don't wet it first, it'll just die. Do I really need to read more? I mean that that sounds like Andy Andy where that sounds like the the scene from The Martian. That is The Martian. Oh, this is uh, this would be interesting. Entire universes must have been born, lived their lives, and extinguished themselves between each breath, afraid to move, afraid to so much as blink. She'd been staring at the thing beneath the table for an eternity. I can read on, but it's probably going to give it away. Should I, should I know this one? Yeah. Want me to read on? Yeah, there's a little bit more. The black ooze was still motionless. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, the Polly Cooley. Polly Cooley's the black. Uh, that's another one. It's hard because, you know, he does a lot of genre stuff, so a lot of it's dialogue. Mm-hmm. But I was able to find at least, that, like, especially that first line, that was more literary. Mm-hmm. It was one of the few, like, more literary lines in the book. Uh, versus just like the genre well, style. Well, at first, like the J, the JD Salinger. Like at first, I thought that might have been cool because like sometimes he gets a little the expletives. Uh, yeah, the... a little angry. You know, the characters get a little upset. But as it went on, I you know, this one you probably won't be able to pronounce the author's name, and you never even heard of it. I doubt. Um, I lost it. Never mind. I'm not gonna do it. No. <laughs> um, but just the subject matter should give it away pretty easily. Assuming my notes are up to snuff, I don't know. Maybe I didn't even write the guy's name. Now. Who the fuck? <laughs> My game, I can't even do it right. As night fell, burning torches were set on wooden tripods, and the young men raised a song. The elders sat in a big circle, and the singers went around singing each man's praise as they came before him. They had something to say for every man. Some were great farmers. Some were orators who spoke for the clan. Okanokowo was the greatest wrestler and warrior alive. When they had gone around the circle, they settled down in the center, and girls came from the inner compound to dance. At first, the bride was not among them, but when she finally appeared holding a cock in her right hand, a loud cheer rose from the crowd. All the other dancers made way for her. She presented the cock to the musicians and began to dance. Her brass anklets rattled as she danced, and her body gleamed with camwood in the soft yellow light. The musicians, with their wood clay and metal instruments, went from song to song, and they were all gay. They sang the latest song in the village. You want me to sing the song? Sure. Yeah. I don't know how to sing this. If I hold her hand, she says don't touch. If I hold her foot, she says don't touch. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. 
Is it the this uh, African writer? Yes, it is. Things Fall Apart by Chinua Achebe. I knew you weren't going to pronounce that right because yeah. when we covered the African writers on the podcast, I didn't know how to do African pronunciation. Yes. I didn't know like at least the English version of their name was just so you know straight on. Chinua Achebe. I was like, I don't even remember what I said. He was name was on there, but uh, I mispronounced it on there. But I know the pronunciation. Ooh, this one I might have to read a little bit. You have not read this one. Okay. But you should know it. Not this story or this person. You have not read this work. Okay. You have read the person. All right. Or have you? I don't know. Today's Sunday. Who made the word wind and wine the same word? (laughs) I hate that shit. It's the same word. Like, come on. Fucking dumb. Today's Sunday, though, a day I don't wind my spring. I've done my laundry, and now I'm in my room, writing to you. Once I finish this letter and put a stamp on it and drop it into the mailbox, there's nothing for me to do until the sun goes down. I don't study on Sundays either. I do a good enough job studying between classes in the library on weekdays, so that I don't have anything left to do on Sundays. Sunday afternoons are quiet, peaceful, and for me, lonely. I read books or listen to music. Sometimes I think back on the difficult routes we used to take in our Sunday walks around Tokyo. I can come up with a pretty clear picture of the clothes you were wearing on any particular walk. I remember all kinds of things on Sunday afternoons. Say hi for me to Raiko. I really miss her guitar at night. When I had finished the letter, I walked a couple of blocks to a mailbox, then went to a nearby bakery where I bought an egg sandwich and a Coke. These I had for lunch while I watched a Little League game from a bench in a local playground. The deepening of autumn had brought an increased blueness and depth to the sky. I glanced up to find two vapor trails heading off to the west in perfect parallel like streetcar tracks. A foul ball came rolling my way, and when I threw it back to them, the young players doffed their caps with a polite, Thank you, sir. As in most Little League games, there were lots of walks and stolen bases. The Haruki Mirakami? Haruki Mirakami, Norwegian Wood. What gave it away? The, I don't know, like, the easiness of it and how, like, there was nothing really going on, but it was still kind of interesting. And he just goes out, gets a Coke, and yeah. makes, always describes what the guy's mm. eating and what he's doing. The, the egg sandwich almost threw me because I know pasta. Like, is he's, he's always doing pasta. And there wasn't any cats. But <laughs> there was baseball. Yeah. Oh, right. is he base? Oh, yeah, that's right. He is Huge a baseball, baseball guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. That's also a really good book. But that's his least, like, magical realistic book. Like, he doesn't have a lot of magical realism elements in that book, only just very small. Mm. Not any weirdness, nothing. Because yeah. it, it's, it's just a love story. Mm. Unless you scrub this from your brain like I did, you should get this right away. Okay. And fans, I will give, uh, I don't know if it should be a trigger warning. Gross. I'll give a gross warning for this one. If you don't want to hear something gross and just very disturbing, don't listen for the next one minute. The woman pushed on the baby's stomach. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) You don't want me to read? I got to read it for the fans. Well, okay, you can read it for the fans. Well, you want to do your guess first? The, uh... Uh, Ryu Mirakami. Ryu Mirakami. This is Coin Locker Babies. The woman pushed on the baby's stomach and sucked its penis into her mouth. It was thinner than the American menthols she smoked and a bit slimy like raw fish. And I'm not going to go on with it because it's gross. Yeah. But uh, that's how he opens the book. Yeah. Like, have you read any of his other work? I want to, but I have not. I just That's one of those authors I just haven't got it back to. Maybe if I complete my next five, you know, the books on my yeah. list, like once I complete those, if I have, we have time or maybe even just in between, we could do a, a rear because they, I mean, we said a Mirakami a, it, minute. Yeah, it could be a different Mirakami minute. Yeah, it doesn't have to be Haruki Mirakami, just a Mirakami. 
ooh, this was a brutal scene, but I cut out most of the brutality and did the preceding page. All right. Uh, Because some people might find this even more offensive than the baby penis. Noboru felt the kitten's hot heart pumping against his wet, naked chest. It was like having stolen into the shed with some of the dark, joy-flushed essence of bright summer sunlight. How are we going to do it? There's a log over there. We can smack it against that. It'll be easy. Go ahead, number three. At last, the test of Noboru's hard, cold heart. Just a minute before, he had taken a cold bath, but he was sweating heavily again. He felt it blow up through his breast like the morning sea breeze, intent to kill. His chest felt like a clothes rack made of hollow metal poles and hung with white shirts drying in the sun. Soon the shirts would be flapping in the wind, and then he would be killing, breaking the endless chain of society's lonesome taboos. And I'm not going to read the rest of that. Uh, Anthony Berger? No, it's not no. Anthony. Burgess, not Burgess. Burger. Burgess. S is there. Uh, Burgess. Think of the name Noboru. That's what I wasn't sure, which I wasn't sure if it was... Um... See, I was thinking it was one of the two Japanese fellows we have left, but then it seemed kind of very uh, anti-societal, and I knew like that. I haven't read it, but I knew like that's kind of Clockwork Orangey, like yeah. kind of like themey. No, you'll know Clockwork Orange when yeah. I read that because it's fucking weird. Is it um, the early Japanese writer from the from the nineteen hundreds? Nope, nope. He, so- he loves cats. Okay, so it's the the uh, the one that killed himself then. Yukio Mishima. Mishima. This is the sailor who fell from grace with the sea. Uh, and this scene depicts the part where a little boy kills a kitten to prove his manliness mm. to his friends or something. But it's it, it's just like it's written very beautifully and poetic. But it's like yeah, people don't want to hear about kittens. I, I when I read that, I was like, oh really? Like he killed like there's people getting killed and stuff. I'm fine. He killed a kitten. I'm like, come on, man, it's a kitten. It's even worse than a cat. It's a kitten. Yeah. It's a baby. He's a little kitty. You might like this one. Just the book. The world is filled with irritating people like Brown Nose. <laughs> I just fucking love like he's just the guy in there. He's just a Brown Nose or so. He's named a Brown Nose. The world is filled with irritating people like Brown Nose who insist on making an appearance where they are not particularly wanted. There are people like Porcupine who puff their chest out like all of Japan would sink into the sea if not for them. There are people like Redshirt who believe they're taken on all the cosmetics and chivalry. There are people like Raccoon who imagine themselves the manifestation of education itself wrapped in a coat. I'd met people like them before, all of them thumping their chests in an effort to show the world who they were. But I'd never seen anyone like Pumpkin. He was more like a puppet than a man. He was so quiet and reserved like he wanted to erase his own existence. Sure, he was a little pudgy. But if Madonna would turn him down and go off with red shirt, then she was crazy. You could take dozens of red shirts and slap them together, and you'd still never have a husband of pumpkin's caliber. I just figured you'd enjoy just the bitching about the fucking people he's got to work with or deal with. Right, yeah. Um. So, uh, so then... That, I, pur- that I purposely one? picked that paragraph because I knew it would confuse you. Yeah. Because you say Clockwork Owens is weird, but it's yeah, like... Yeah, that wouldn't be... Not weird right. enough. But then I was I was thinking about the Natsumi guy, but then that doesn't seem like the final guess, Spencer. Final guess. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Natsume as my final guess. Sozeki Natsume, or as he was called back then, Natsume Sozeki. Yeah. I have all, if not all of his books, most of his books, and the names always different. Yeah, because you have the, the way they do the surnames. Yeah. We talked about this maybe last episode. Uh, that was Botchin. I thought the Madonna part would throw you off yeah, because you're probably thinking modern Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but 
it's just like the way that was written. It's in such a way, like his writing style translates to English so well because you don't think it's like Japanese. Because I remember, yeah, because yeah, you wouldn't have think that that would have been something written from like the early like 1900s. It doesn't. Well, remember sound in like it. either last up one of the episodes we did recently, I explained how because uh, you were asking me like the difference between Natsume Suzuki and Yukio Mishima, uh, and Natsume Suzuki. He not didn't necessarily was like embracing the West, but he was during that change where the Japan Japan was accepting the West. Mm. So that's how like his writing style was. It was like accepting the West, like not all of his writing, but like this one was. Versus Yukimishima, where you know that was more poetic and still had a lot of Japanese influence. Yeah, which I do like that Japanese aesthetic a lot. But Natsume Suzuki was a great introduction to Japanese fiction because he's almost like uh, I don't want to say like uh, Mark Twain would be a good example. But like just like an easy to read modern writer that's really funny. Does he have enjoy- like a big catalog? Does he have a lot of stuff? Do you know? Fifteen books, maybe. Well, that's not bad. Like most of that shelf is his up there. Um, oh, so they're like smaller things. Yeah, he died. I think fairly young, like forties maybe or fifties. Oh God. Okay. We're winding down here. We don't have too many left. Yeah. Well, doesn't make it any easier on me. I'll take a big breath for this one. <laughs> More than a few among the crowds and police, and I picked the easiest one I could find, by the way. <laughs> More than a few among the crowds and police initially used the words sick, sickening, and or nasty when the tank's delet nozzle was affixed to the protuberance at the center of the figure's rear end's white and navy bullseye design. All such expressions of distaste were silenced by the subsequent inflation. First, the bottom and belly and thighs ballooned, forcing the figure out from the window and contorting him slightly to keep his forehead's cup affixed. The airtight lycra rounded and became shiny. The long-haired man on Dexter Dream patted his bicycle's slim rear tire and told the young lady he'd lent the field glasses to that. He he figured all along that they, presumably meaning the little protuberances, were. One shoulder's valve inflated the left arm, the other the right arm, and etc. Until, I don't even know, that's not etc, it's C dot, whatever that is. Until the figure's entire costume had become large, bulbous, and doily cartoonish, there was no coherent response from the crowd. However, until a nearly suicidal-looking series of nozzle-to-temple motions from the figure began to fill the head's baggy mass, the crumpled white mylar at first collapsing slightly to the... I'm not reading this anymore. That's David Foster Wallace. That is David Foster Wallace short story, Mr. Squishy from Oblivion. If you folks want to hear me read the really hard parts of that, uh, listen to our uh, inebriated reading challenge Oblivion episodes. Uh, Mr. Squishy would be the episode you want to check out because there's like a lot of mathematical formulas in that. Like when I was saying data driven, like most of this is just like ridiculous acronyms and data. You gotta get like a an extra sheet of paper to write yeah. things down as you read this. Well, he has like whole fucking huge chunks of footnotes with footnotes. <laughs> and then he also, for some reason, decided that he needed a lot of chemical equations as well. And it's like, how do you even, a lot of that, I don't even know how to read out loud, uh, which you can check out in the episode. Next up, Spencer. Ooh, this will be a fun one for me. I've never read anything like this out loud. <laughs> this must be a real horror show film if you're so keen on my video in it. And one of the white coat vex said, Smeaking. Horror show is right, friend. A real show of horrors. And then I had like a cap stuck on my Gulliver and I could video all wires running away from it. And they stuck a like suction pad on my belly and one on the old <laughs> and one on the old TikToker. And I could just about video wires running up around those si- running away from those. Then there was the shoom of a door opening, and you could tell some very important shovel. Chelovic was coming in by the way the white-coated undervex went all stiff. And then I vidied this Dr. Brodsky. He was a malenky veek, very fat, with all curly hair curling all over his gulliver, 
and on his sputty nose he had very thick keys. I could just vidy that he had a real horror show suit on, absolutely the height of faction, and he had a like very delicate and subtle vaughn of operating theaters coming from him. With him was Dr. Brandon all smiling like, okay, I can't read more of that. The Anthony Burgess? Yeah, that is uh, Clockwork Orange. Once you read that, though, you get so far into it, and there is a glossary in the back mm. for all the slang he makes up. Uh, you start to understand that. So you, you, uh, you, you've you actually read uh, Clockwork Orange? Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. How is it to compare it to the movie? Like, what do you think? I like the movie, too. Um, It's harder to understand in the book than yeah. the movie because of the language, but... Do you uh, think maybe that's one of the things you should watch the movie first so you kind of no, have a... No, because if you watch the movie first, you're going to get pissed off because Kubrick left out the last chapter. Oh, oh, yeah. There's a redemption kind of... Not necessarily a redemption, but the main character pretty much like gets his life together. Mm. But in the end of Kubrick's film, it just ends with the character like, I'm going to commit more violence yeah. and be a fucking menace like he is the whole now, book. Have you read any else? anything else of his book? I just was wondering if that's like a writing style or if that's just the thing like he chose for the, you know, for this book. I have not read anything else from him. That's just the only one I got. But he was like a linguist, so probably. Mm. I don't I don't think he did anything quite like that in his other work. Next up. There was a skylight about a third of the way down the roof and he made his way to it in a walking crouch. The cover was gone and the inside of the trailer smelled of wet plywood and that sour smell he'd come to know. He had a magazine in his hip pocket and he took it out and tore some pages from it and wadded them and got out his lighter and lit the papers and dropped them into the darkness. A faint whooshing. He wafted away the smoke and looked down into the trailer. The small fire burning in the floor seemed a long way down. He shielded the glare of it with his hand and when he did he could see almost to the rear of the box. Human bodies. Sprawled in every attitude, dried and shrunken in their rotted clothes, the small wad of burning paper drew down to a wisp of flame, and then died out leaving a faint pattern for just a moment in the incandescence, like the shape of a flower, a molten rose, then all was dark again. Uh, Cormac McCarthy? How did you guess? The, it, the road? It was the road, but it's it's so chipper. You, I'm surprised you got that. Well, it's the only one left, so... At least according to my list, it's the only one That list. is the only one left. So, one, I think you should actually read The Road. I think you would really like that. Uh, other than, like, the no, you know, quotations and stuff, you do get used to that. But it's, like, just from reading that, like, that's way better than how Blood Meridian well, was. Also, too, like, I think, especially with the way with the style, because there's very few characters in The Road, right? No, I don't think anybody has a name. You just have the dad, the son. But I'm just saying, like, whenever then when so when it comes to like those quotation marks and the things like that, it's it doesn't bit, get confusing. It's easier to 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 figure out to yeah. where like you had so many moving parts and people and things and in Blood Meridian. Yeah. Uh so just reading the excerpts from some of those that you've never heard. Any of those catch your, you know, your fancy that you might want to read their work just based on how they write. I mean, probably David Foster Wallace. Right oh, definitely. I mean, well, I've I've always kind of wanted to um, check out like Poe for a while, mm-hmm. but it's just like one of those things that just never get to it or like where to start. And, and his early like work is too complicated to really get like grasp. I mean, you can. It's just like, do you want to keep rereading? Yeah. And, like, but his uh, like the Telltale Heart and stuff like that is really really enjoyable. And kind of like how that Sphinx was written. It's like, oh, yeah, it, it makes you feel like you're smarter just reading yeah, it. Right. But you understand it, which which is cool. Because here's a good uh, way to think of it. He uses his words in such a way where even if you don't know what they mean, you can figure out through the context. Yeah. 
versus H.P. Lovecraft where you're often in some kind of list form and there is not enough context for you to understand. So unless you look it up, you just skip it. Mm -hmm. And usually there's so many that you just end up skipping. Uh, and then it's not even just the vocabulary. It's also just the way they use the words. And also because a lot of the words and uh, phrasing back then, you know, early Poe, I forget when he died. I want, But like from the 1800s, to the early 1900s, the, the language was a lot different. Yeah, and then like I said, like I was saying when we were doing it, I I probably wouldn't mind checking out some of the Natsumi Natsumi Natsume Sozeki. Seki. Just because I I do kind of like um with like like you kind of slowly building up like this like little section of like Japanese like yeah. writers. I do, I do kind of like that and I like it's not the take. I just I don't know, just the writing style, maybe just the way that they look at things or how they predict things. I, I, I don't know, but I I've been enjoying a lot of that kind of stuff. Well, out of all the the writers and stuff I've uh read throughout the years i find i'm always drawn to japanese fiction more russian fiction so bleak english fiction's kind of dry uh i like you know obviously like american fiction but we were kind of like the wild west you yeah. know like we have so much variety i'm not saying these other countries don't it's just like the you know the classics and stuff but japanese fiction is very rich in language which i love uh again though i've read bad translations where it's just really turned me off of certain authors mm -hmm. and i'm just like is it because of the translation, or was it actually written the, the, shitty? Yeah, was it, is it the actual story? But those were modern books that I just didn't really care for, and I haven't come across too many of those, because, uh, like, Ryu Mirakami we read, uh, and I that was a fucking awesome book. Yeah. Uh, Haruki Mirakami, I've pretty much enjoyed most of his stuff outside of, like, just some of his short stories, really. I don't... Well, there's a couple novels that are mid for me uh, that I just really didn't care for, but those were also, like... Uh, not romance based because I don't know if he actually has anything that's really romance, but they were just they're just a love story, like a love story in it. Yeah, but nobody ever fucking makes it in love in those books. But they're just they weren't satisfying to me. Yeah, like Spudnik's Sweetheart and South of the Border or something, something or other. Well, that's another thing. Like even like to you know how we kind of get you know we always compare him to Stephen King is like there's always like there's normally like a good chunk in his mood like in his stuff. There's like a not a romance angle, but like yeah. there's. Either for tensions reasons or, you know, to kill somebody off later or something like that, you know. Let me see that list. So on the list, David Foster Wallace, you don't need to read him. No. Haruki Mirakami, you have read him. But and you actually just got a nice collection, a three-book version of 1Q84 to read. Yes. Uh, James Joyce, you don't need to read James no. Joyce. Um, Anthony Burgess, I would recommend A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. But you have to be in a mind frame to read that. You have to be like, this book's not long. It's going to take me a while. Should I read that at work? No. <laughs> uh, Yukio Mishima, you've already read. Uh, you read his like, hard-boiled story, kind of. I don't know if hard-boiled. That was kind of the style, that uh, Death for Sale. Yeah. Was it, or Life for Sale? Life for Life Sale. Life for Sale, yeah. Uh, but his regular writing, I don't think you would enjoy so much. Uh, maybe the, the, the Sailor book I read. like I think you would like that uh, because that's more relatable. But that's not super Buddhist heavy because, mm. like, especially this, uh, the, the Sea of Fertility tetralogy was excellent in my opinion. But it took me a while to get through a couple of those books because it's so like Buddhist heavy and stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I'm not, I don't care that much. Gormac McCarthy, I just think read The Road, maybe Outer Dark, but just like The Road's fine. I don't yeah. think you need to read much more of his work. Uh, Natsume Suzeki, I think you would like Botchin. I mean, I liked all his books, but like, I am a cat. I would recommend because it's the whole book written from the view of a cat. Yeah, I remember you talking about that one. Before. And it's really funny, but the problem is, it's like you see the it's the thick book up there. Yeah. It's pretty large. 
Uh, so I, that might not be up your alley just for the, I mean, you it's not that you don't want to read big books, but from being the point of like a cat and the way he ends it too is because it was serialized at the time. He just didn't know what to do with it anymore. He yeah. said, I just want this to be over. Stephen King. Nobody reads him. No. Bum. Uh, Bum. Mirakami. We definitely, I want to read that. Was it piercing or pierced? That what? it's like a Ashley read. He said it's pretty fucked up. Uh, Neil Gaiman. I still got some, uh, game and books. I got, Me I too, got a short yeah. story collection. I need to go through. Uh, Alan Moore. I don't think you need to read Alan Moore. I do. I do. Like I said, like I want to check out the his newest the like, collection when it comes out in like a soft cover. Just short to, stories would be the way to go. You know, just to see what it because like I've only read his comic work. Yeah. I've never read any of his pro stuff. I like his prose. It's just it does get to be a bit much. Also, that short story collection was it called Illuminated or something? Yeah, it has. Uh, one of the short stories is a full novel. But I mean, like even still, it looked like a normal sized book. Yeah. Like. Uh, Paulie Cooley, I've only read The Black, but you read a bunch of his yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've read, I've read a couple more of his things. Uh, Bram Stoker, I would like to read, because he has another, I think, Dracula thing and some, some more work we should check out. J.D. Salinger, I'm not interested in any of his stuff. <laughs> no, is it just because of Catcher in the Rye, or... Yes. Have you, like, I don't even know what anything else that he's done. I think he did short stories, which people said were good. It's not that he's a bad writer, like, the writing's good, it's just, it's a fucking character, man. Mm. Didn't like that Holden Caulfield, which is also a great name. Like yeah. Everything about this should have been great. It's just not. I wasn't the right age when I read it. If I was a teenager and read that, I might have been. Yeah, everybody's a fucking bastard, <laughs> phony. I might have been all right. Uh, who do else do we got? Chinua Achebe. I've only read all uh, things fall apart, and it was okay. Because uh, that's one of the greatest books of all time. It was one of those ones where I'm like, it was like very simplistic prose. Even that one, like I didn't mind the writing. What really got me was I like. Because it was all about like African tribes and masculinity and stuff, but you just—it was one of those things like you got guys with like multiple wives yeah. and they're treating them not so well, and it's like I don't like the characters. Mm. Uh, I kind of want them to die. Like, yeah, they're just they're just mean fucking bastards, and I get you get it because of the situation they're living in and stuff. But it's like I I don't have the African warrior mentality, yeah. so I couldn't really appreciate that book. And I'm a whitey, so yeah, white devil. Yeah, I probably. Uh, Though I did the colonialism, like, I was like, fuck those French oh, yeah. or whatever, English, whoever, fucking, fuck them. Andy Weir, I really liked Artemis and the Martian. Uh, does he have any other books? That, uh, Hail Mary, it's the ne- that newest one that mm. came out. We need to check that out. Some people really don't like Andy Weir's style. I do. Yeah, I like it. Like, it's like funny hard sci-fi. Yeah, and it makes the sci-fi stuff, like, easy to digest. Yeah, like in Artemis, they a lot of people did not like the main character because it was like a young teenage girl. Yeah. But not for the reasons people think. It wasn't like, oh, diversity or whatever. Because I think she was like maybe Muslim or something, yeah. too. Or a lesbian, Muslim, like something like that. No, they, people were complaining because she was like, really smart and stuff and it was like that's not how a teenage girl would be or however young she's supposed to be yeah, like, but why? when you're living on the fucking moon eh? yeah it's like what i don't know like the the reviews i read for that that were bad were just like shitheads uh walt whitman i wouldn't uh, you're not gonna read poetry so no hp lovecraft read it read all of it yeah. all of it hg wells i need to read hg wells uh which that excerpt i read i was like oh i would like this uh edgar Allan poe you need to read the telltale heart the cast of amontillado um, which one's the detective one? The cast, uh, like the, when the can... uh, murder in the Rue morgue. I want to, I haven't read that one either. So we read that together. And then also, uh, the Raven. Raven. Because it's a narrative those, those, poem. Those, those are like the big, those are like kind of like his big ones. Right? He has other ones, but like, 
because like the black cat i'd recommend the black cat too that's a really awesome story and they're all like pretty quick so you need to just get a collection and Mm -hmm. just you know read some of those uh we'll end this here uh f scott fitzgerald you don't need to read him because you don't think you'd like the great gatsby you've been trying to get me for a while to read that i read the graphic novel that's all J.R.R. Tolkien. I think you should read everything he's ever written. Martino Kyan. You might like Dregs of the Day. Uh, I don't think you would write. Gla- I don't think you'd like Graveyard Clay because it's very confusing. Though I'd let you borrow it if you want to try it. It's all dialogue from dead oh, people yeah. on the, the ground. And, oh yeah, I think yeah, I remember you talking about yeah, that before. They all talk at the same time. Yeah. It's fucking weird. <sighs> what is the name of that short story collection? Something of the Dead. I forget. Uh, some of those stories I think you'd really dig. And he has a Kafka-esque story that you'd really like. But you also need to read Kafka. Yeah, I do need to read Kafka. Uh, you could just read Metamorphosis and that'd be good. Kafka's one of those writers you don't need to read a lot to get. Like, Metamorphosis is by far, I think, his best work. most entertaining. Like, I like some of his other stories, but it's like a lot of times nothing ever goes anywhere. Uh, and then Nick Obergon, we both need to read Unknown Mail. And then he needs to finish his last book and publish it. Well, I think yeah. he finished it, but he needs to publish it. Yeah. So we can read that as well. Uh, anyway, folks, we thank you for listening this long. If to you this have. chunky episode. Yeah, I wanted a good one. Uh, I, thought, I just thought it'd be fun. I just yeah. want to read some stuff. I'm surprised other than like there was only like two or three there that I flat out like cool. after a couple of guesses couldn't get. I like that you were able to, some, to guess some straight off the bat. Like Kurt Vonnegut was even yeah. on. The, I forgot to put him on there and you guessed him, uh, which I should have just left a couple names off. <laughs> yeah. I should have left Stephen King's name off there. It's meant to look dumb. Make me look like a dummy head. Uh, anyway, if you want to say hi to us or whatever, you know, first off, give us some reviews and some likes and all that stuff. We need stars. Stars and ratings. We're fed on stars. Uh, so do that on like iTunes and your apps that you use for podcasts, whatever. Uh, you can also check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at DPW Podcast. And you can follow my website, Caleb James K, where I've been posting a lot of, uh, I've been trying to be consistent with work. I have posted new stuff as well as backlog stuff. So we have so far flash fiction, short stories, and poetry. Uh, and I think a couple life pieces. So if you want, you could check out my writing and see, you know, where I'm at. And I am soon to be a published author here. So kind of going to be a big deal. And I also submitted some more work and uh, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, Spencer's OnlyFans, you are the Ragnarok... No. Rabid Raper? No. Is that it? No. That sounds horrible. No. It, Who it, are you raping, or what? Nothing. During none Ragnarok? Of, like the, the... Was that the it? The end times. Was that it? What were you? Thor was Thor. Thor. What what were you, Spencer? You couldn't have been that. It was the... You were a rebel rouser from Rome of some sort. Yeah, the, the Rome, Roman Re- Re- yeah. rebel rouser or something. Roman rebel rouser. I like the... <laughs> You're filled with rancor <laughs> from Ragnarok. <laughs> anyway, folks, we uh, thank you for listening. I do not want to edit this, but I will, so it's not as dumb as it sounds. So you won't even know that how dumb it sounds was dumber. If that makes sense, uh, we'll check you next time. And is this how? Yeah, Merry Christmas, Merry Happy Christmas. Holidays, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, because this is gonna be out Tuesday, right? Yeah. yeah. So then Christmas is the following. Yeah. So whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate, don't matter to us. We don't even like Christmas. No. Ew, say it to- <laughs> I should leave that one out. <laughs> I don't care anymore. Thank you. Ooh.